a couple of other things to share with you real quickly. Uh, Hannah Edwards left today uh, for um, her mission field in Madagascar. And so we need to remember her for safe travels. Pray for her parents, as I know they're probably uh, nervous and certainly would appreciate the prayers uh, that we can offer on their behalf. Um, also, Gary Rollins, uh, his brother passed away, so we need to continue to remember Gary uh, and his family as well. And uh, then uh, Mike Eden is not feeling well today, and I know that uh, definitely they need our, our prayers. And then add to that, uh, many of you have been praying for Denton um, after this COVID and then the stroke, and then uh, wound up in the emergency room again on Thursday with a lot of stuff going on, but uh, right now he is... I got hearing loss in his right ear and and super um, dizzy uh, with everything else on top of that. So just been a, a lot of prayers needed for him, and I know he would appreciate that this morning. You know, God, uh, God is to be trusted even in the darkest of times. And for a lot of you in this room, you are going through those dark times. A lot of you that are out watching us online this morning you are going through those darkest of times. And what I want us to look at this morning is the fact that God can be trusted. Habakkuk himself understood this. Um, We're going to read in just a moment from Habakkuk chapter 3. We found Wednesday night, uh, for those of you that were here, um, that Habakkuk really was asking God, Lord, where are you? You see the horrible situation of your people, and yet you're bringing the Chaldeans to come against us and to... Uh, bring judgment, um, and, and Lord, this is tough to watch. This is hard to watch, and, and we need you to show up. And, and God assures him that whether he can see it or not, that God is doing something amazing, and we just have to trust it. And folks, if you're here today and you're wondering what in the world is going to happen in my life, you've got to trust that God is still in control. I don't care what diagnosis you've been given. I don't care what has happened at work. I don't care what's going on in your family. Today is a day to trust that God is still who he says he is. He is still sitting on the throne, high and mighty and lifted up, and he will not and shall not be moved. That's the kind of God that we serve, and Habakkuk is going to share that with us. So Habakkuk is going to continue in chapter 3, just kind of declaring all that, that God has done, and, and he recognizes the fact that he needs to go back and remember the goodness of God And he's going to end it with a hymn, and that's what we're going to start today with the hymn that he writes in chapter seven. I mean, in chapter three, verse seventeen. So Habakkuk chapter three, beginning with verse seventeen. Even if the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, if the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the fold. And there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds or deer's feet, and has, <clears throat> has, he had, has me walk on my high places. And he, he finishes this, he says, for the choir director on my string instrument. So he's writing this literally as a hymn to be sung by the church. So, Father, this morning we recognize the beautiful hymn that, Father, no matter what happens in life, we can worship you. We can trust you. 
Father, part of our problem is that, that when we're full, we don't really put our trust in you. But those who put their trust in you, even when they're full, will find that when they're empty, you are still just as good. Father, thank you for this. God, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'd like to begin with a very familiar story that has been shared here numerous times. Uh, the most recent by Doug before uh, he uh, led us in this song. But uh, Horatio G. Spadford was a, a man who was very wealthy in his young age, very successful. But then there was a great collapse. The Chicago fires took place during his lifetime. And he had a lot of land and, and, and businesses that were upon the waterfront. And unfortunately for him, he lost everything. But during that time and that process, he trusted in God. He put his faith. Excuse me. So during this process of time, he began to follow after the heart of God. And he was good friends with um, Dwight L. Moody, a great evangelist of his day. And they were going to head over and go to Europe and, and do a um, kind of a spiritual awakening there uh, for the people uh, in Europe. And so he sends his family ahead, and this is, he, he, was, he lived from 1828 to 1888, so basically 60 years is what he lived. He was a Presbyterian layman from Chicago. <clears throat> he had established a very successful legal practice. So again, this man was very, very um, successful and, and had everything you could think of. But in a saga reminiscent of Job, <clears throat> His son dies a short time before his financial disaster. So first he loses a son. But the worst is yet to come. Wednesday night, we sat around for a few moments sharing in church about those moments when tragedy hit our lives, but we responded in faith. And it surprised me as to, not that all were mentioned during service, but how many people and even those who came up to me after the service who have lost a child in our church. To me, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to, to lose a child. But many in our service, many in our church have lost a child. Either uh, some at birth, obviously many miscarriages throughout, then those who had to bury a little child, those who had to bury a teenager, those who had to bury a young adult. And the pain of that is very real. But in that pain, they trusted God. In that pain, they trusted that God had a purpose. And, and during that heartache of their life, God blessed them. God grew them in their faith. And here we're about to read about Horatio Spafford, what happened in his life. He's already lost a child. He's already lost a son. Hymnologist Kenneth Osbeck tells the story, desiring a rest for his wife and for daughters as well, and his four daughters as well, as wishing to join and assist Moody and his musician Arasanke in one of their campaigns in Great Britain. Spafford planned a European trip for his family in 1873. November of that year, thank you, my friend. <clears throat> you are awesome. November of that year, Due to unexpected last-minute business developments, he had to remain in Chicago. 
but sent his wife and four daughters on ahead as scheduled on the SS Ville Duvre. He expected to follow in just a few days. But on November the 22nd, the ship was struck by the Lokeren, an English vessel, and sank in 12 minutes. Several, day later, several days later, the survivors were finally landed at Cardiff Wells, and Miss Spafford cabled her husband, and these were the words, saved alone. Spafford left immediately to join his wife, and this hymn is said to have been penned as he approached the area of the ocean thought to be where the ship carrying his daughters had sunk. That hymn is, it is well with my soul. This man has already lost his son. He has lost his fortune. He is going to Europe in faith to help lead people to Christ. And on this journey, he loses his four daughters. Can you imagine where you and I would be if that were our life? Some of us get so bent out of shape over things that have no weight whatsoever in this life that we live. And yet this man comes to the place where he has lost four children and he pins, it is well. My prayer for us today is that no matter what we are going through, we can remember the goodness of God and say, it is well with my soul. And it starts with remembering God's faithfulness. So let's start there. The faithfulness, the goodness of God. In my own life, I will share with you something that uh, a number of you probably know. But when I was a teenager, I was an idiot. (laughs) Anybody else? As an adult, I have also been an idiot. (laughs) Anybody else? (laughs) Okay. When I was a teenager, I dated my wife about the age of 15. And during that time, I got to know who she was. I got to know all about her. And then like a big dummy, I went and chased others and supposedly broke her heart. I did. It's not because I was the man by any means. She was just really lonely. Later on in life, By the grace of God, she came back into my life. But there was a lot of time in there that I did a lot of dumb stuff. God blessed me. God, God, in the midst of all the things going on in my life, brought to me the woman who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But in the middle of all this, there was a lot of stuff that I did that I'm just like, wow, But I look back over that and I realize something. God never let her out of my heart. And he brought us back together. And we have been through a ton of stuff. We have seen life happen. We have been through the ups and downs. We have 
um, had those intense moments of fellowship that all couples have. We have struggled in life. We have made mistakes in life. We have seen successes in life. We have gained a son-in-law who I am very thankful for. Who can also be an idiot at times, I've heard. But I'm just saying. <laughs> As he shakes his head. They, you marry one like your father, they say. I'm just telling you, that's what they say. No, I tell you what, I'm blessed beyond measure with him. But here's my point to all this. I look back on my life and I see everything that could have gone wrong and I see just how good God really is. Folks, I have so much to count as blessed, so much to be thankful for. Do you realize how good God is to us? We need to take a moment to just remember God's faithfulness. I imagine if we were to go around this room, we could begin to talk about the goodness and faithfulness of God and just how strong and faithful and mighty God really is. And Habakkuk is going to do just that. He's going to start out in the very beginning of, of, of chapter 3 with verse 2. He says, Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I was afraid. Some of your Bibles may actually read, and I trembled. What Habakkuk is saying is, God, I have heard all about you. I know I've heard the stories that came before me. I know of what you've done for your people. And God, it makes me tremble. I'm amazed at your goodness. There's a fear within me, that fear of God that Habakkuk felt at that moment. And I believe that with all my heart that you and I must also come to that place of fearing God understanding just how good God is, realizing that he is God, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, he is God and he will not be moved. Habakkuk goes on to mention certain things. In verse 5, he says, before him goes plague and plague comes forth after him. You're saying, what does that mean? What, What is he mentioning? He is mentioning here, he's remembering God, the goodness of God. And he's talking about how God used the plagues to go and force Egypt to allow God's people to go. He's talking about how God used these plagues to come and, and to bring hope and freedom and, 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 and absolute victory, I should say, to, to God's people because he brought these plagues against Egypt. Verse 6, it says he stood and caused the earth to shudder. He, he looked and caused the nations to jump. Can you imagine the news that had to come out whenever the people found out that God had done such a work in Egypt and how so many people died because they hated God's people, but God did a work there. Habakkuk is remembering the goodness of God. He says in verse 6, did the Lord rage against the rivers or was your anger against the rivers? Remember how they came to the Red Sea and they had to cross it. They had to cross this great thing. And, and, and God said, listen, I'm not angry with the river. I'm angry with those who are chasing after you. And he opens, he parts the waters and the people go across. He says in verse 8, you rolled on your horses on your chariots of salvation. He, it's the question here. As they came through, remember chasing the people of God. The Egyptians are on their horses and their chariots. And even Pharaoh himself is going after them. And after God has opened the water. And everything has gone across on what kind of land? Dry land. But then the Egyptians get in. And as they get in and they're all into the water. The whole group of them get in. 
and all of a sudden the water turns to mud. They begin to sink. They can't get out. And the Bible says that God closes the waters back over these people. Folks, when this happens, God shows who is God. We were reminded this morning in Sunday school that Pharaoh himself thought that he was a god. But he couldn't even keep his own son alive. God killed his firstborn. The Bible is so clear of God's goodness. And so Habakkuk is wanting to remind us of all the goodness of God. We go down to verse 11. It says, sun and moon stood in their lofty places. You say, what does that have to do with? Well, if you know anything about your Bible, you know that in Joshua chapter 10, the sun stood still, literally for a day. So I want you to look at this in Joshua 10, verses 9 through 13. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. Now what's happened here, there are five great kings who are coming against Gilgal. And Gilgal is a group of people that have made peace with Joshua. And Joshua has told them, we will, we will protect you. Now these people have reached out to Joshua. Listen, this is terrible. What's happening? Joshua, listen, you just, you just wait. You can trust that God will protect so verse 10 says, And the Lord brought them into confusion before Israel, and he struck them down in a great defeat at Gibeon, and pursued them by the way the uh, ascent of, of Bethron, and struck them as far as Ek and Medica. And as they fled from Israel, while they were at the descent of Bethron, the Lord hurled large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. And there, more, and there were more who died from the hailstones and those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Can you imagine for a moment these great, big, large deals of hail coming down out of the sky that God is forcing upon these enemies of, of God's people and just killing them left and right? Now, when we lived up in North Texas, you would sometimes see hail. Now, I personally never, never saw it, but we saw pictures of it that were as big as a softball. And they would hit a car window. And what would happen to that car window? It would just shatter. So imagine for a moment as God is just bringing down all of this hell upon the people. And, and this ice is hitting them and just killing them to the point that it says that that hailstone, those hailstones actually killed more than all the people of Israel did that day. Verse 12, it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on that day when the Lord turned the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon at the valley of Eshelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jeshar? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hurry to go down for about a whole day. Do you see the goodness of God that even God controls? minutes, the seconds, the sun, the moon. Some people say, well, do you really believe that God caused the sun to be still? Yes, I do. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God extended one full day by one full day because he's God. He held the sun in place, the moon in place. It would have been witnessed throughout the entire world. Habakkuk is saying no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad things look, 
we can trust God. No matter what, we can trust the Lord. What is your circumstance right now? What do you have going on in your life that you're saying, God, I just don't know that I can trust? Or maybe you're not even saying that, God, I don't know I can trust you. Maybe you're just saying, I've got this. Which, by the way, is very dangerous. Would you all agree with that? I've got this. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't even care anymore. I'm done. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what God does with me. <clears throat> I don't care about my marriage. I don't care about my job. I don't care about my walk with God. I don't care about my testimony. I don't care about how I look. I, if you're at that point, listen to me. Today's the day to step out and say, God, I trust you. Today's the day to step out and say, God, I trust you fully. Everything in my life seems to be falling apart. I have no hope. And God is saying, you're exactly right. Without me, you have what? Nothing. But you're sitting here thinking, no, 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 I've got to do this. I've got to get this together. I've got to figure this out. No, today's the day to say, even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, if the field of olives does not yield, and the fields produce no food. Even the flock disappears from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will praise the Lord. That's where we have to be. We have to come to a place in our life that we understand. It is time to praise God no matter my circumstance. It is time to honor God no matter my circumstance. When I sat and listened to the stories Wednesday night, as I said, there weren't a lot that was shared, but there was enough shared. And I heard how these people responded in faith. It stirred me. It stirred my own heart. And reminded me just how good God really is. Sun and moon stood in their lofty places. If God can cause the day to cease, God's got whatever you have going. He can handle whatever you're going through. I think sometimes we take our eyes off God and when we do that, our problem grows even bigger. It grows even larger. He writes a hymn of faith. He says, listen, I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. And he says in verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. How am I going to make it another day? How am I going to make it in my marriage? How am I going to make it in, in, in my job? How am I going to make it? With because God's going to give you the strength to do it. Well, you don't understand how hard it is. 
Yeah, I'm sure God doesn't get it, does he? When he sat and watched his own son take the cross that you and I deserved. He doesn't understand pain. He doesn't know how hard it is. No, not God, surely not. Yes, God knows. God is your strength. He's made my feet like deer's feet or the feet of the hinds. It's pretty neat to watch. When I used to go out to U Valley to, to sit and watch I would love to just sit in a stand and glass the hillsides. These all dad are incredible animals. They are so sure-footed. They can go up literally the side of a, a hill that, I mean, we're talking, it, it's, it's like this. There's no way to humanly possible, it's humanly impossible to get up this hill. And these things are running as sure-footed and quick as, as can be, they're, they're, they're amazing how they just go straight up and, and they don't, they're not looking around. They know exactly where the next spot is. They, they've got to reach. And what's even more impressive is when you watch the baby use and they're following mom or dad up the hill. Cause they go so far, the adult does. And then they look back down (laughs) as to encourage their little one to say, God has given you the feet to do this. He has given you the ability to step on the smallest of places and make it. Folks, in the life that we live right now, Christians are given about that much space. You don't believe me? Pay attention to the news. Watch what's happening with us today. And the Christian has been given just about that much space. Listen, God has given you assurance that he will put your feet exactly where they need to be. We were meant to be on the high places. Some of us are so scared to take a step of faith that we just live in the valley. And we don't understand the Christian life. And we don't understand how it could ever be good. Folks, I love mountaintop experiences. But it's the journey to get there that was so awesome. He says, he has made me to walk on my high places. What he's talking about there is he's talking about bringing God's people back to Jerusalem. Where they can climb on the mountains again. And find freedom to worship. Not to have their worship impeded by anyone. Habakkuk is saying, I can't wait to get back there. Some of you this morning are saying, I I just want to get back to where I used to be with God. Folks, the first step, the first step is this. It's not even your step. The first step is understanding that God will welcome you back. Remember the prodigal? (laughs) <laughs> prodigal's going, man, I got to go home. I've messed up so bad. I'm just going to go back and be a servant. I'm just going to go back and be a paid hand. I, I'm going to be a slave. Because even the slave gets better than the slop of the pig. And as the prodigal is headed home, 
He looks a ways off and he sees the house. But what he doesn't see is that his father is out in the drive. Of course, they didn't have driveways back then, right? And he's looking down the road. What's he looking for? For his son to come home. And the coolest thing, (laughs) when when the son shows up, he was treated as though he had never left. He was given a feast and a party. Why? Because the son whom he had lost had what? Come home. You and I need to come to a place where we understand that if you want it to be well with your soul, you've got to understand that the father is waiting with open arms. And he desires for you to be able to lay your head down at night and say, it is well. Many of us in this room will never know what it is well is like again until we trust God. By the way, your circumstances are part of what God is doing in your life. How many of you have found that out? You look back and you were like, wow, God worked that out perfect. We had been praying all of our lives for our daughter, praying that God would bless her, praying that God would lead her, and praying that God would give her a man who would love her and love him. And we have friends named Chad and Lisa, whose youngest son was going to have surgery because he had cancer. We go to the hospital. And that's where we began the relationship, really, with Sean. God then worked that out because that's what God does. God works all that stuff out. And now we have Sean as a part of our family. But, folks, the sad part is is that somebody was sick to make all that happen. Whatever you're going through in life, you've got to trust that God is still driving. He's still doing what God does. And all you've got to do is begin to praise the very God who gave his only son upon a cross for you and I. I want to be able to lay down at night knowing it is well even if the world's falling apart around me, it is well. Father, I thank you that no matter what is happening around us, no matter what is taking place, Father, you are still God. You are still on your throne. No matter how dark, how bleak, how sad it looks, God, you are still in control. So, Father, we ask right now at this very moment, Lord, we will put our faith completely in you, knowing that it is well.
There are many in this room who don't, they don't need to come say a word to me. They just need to come to the altar and say, God, I'm trusting you with my situation. And Lord, thank you that you're allowing me to trust you, even though I've been out of your will. I haven't been who I needed to be as a believer. And today, God, I come home. No longer to be the prodigal, but to be a son. Because, Father, what I desire more than anything else is to be able to say, it is well. Lord, today, open our hearts to see that we need to come forward and just spend some time with you right here at the altar, making our hearts right, giving you praise in the midst of what we think is terrible, knowing that you still have a plan and you are in charge. Father, thank you for this. In Christ's name I pray, amen.